Julie, give her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Thank you. For those of you who may not know, KK and Daryl have been a part of Restore Church for how long now? Uh, since October last year. Since October last yes. year, okay. How long that is. You work for the Australian College of Ministries and your role is... I'm the Student Engagement Manager at ACOM and I also look after, I'm the Spiritual Formation Coordinator now as well. well I have a dual role. A dual role? <laughs> so double pay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, now you and Daryl, you, you guys have been in pastoral ministry for a long time, haven't you? R roll off some of the places you guys have done oh. ministry. <laughs> we have. We've been around yeah. a long time. Um, look, we started in southeast Queensland. That's where we're from originally, a little place called Boona and Silverdale. That was our original Churches of Christ. Um, we then have moved around. We've looked after a Church of Christ campsite in the Sunshine Coast. We have pastored in New Zealand in two separate churches in South Island. We did some training in the North Island. Uh, we've been, we planted a church, helped plant a church in the Gold Coast, and then we were in Tasmania, and now we're here. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Just a few things, really. a few so, things yeah. Okay, well, right. well, look, it's terrific to have you guys have here with us. They're a blessing to us. They're both serving as able leaders on Alpha at the moment. And um, we're really looking forward to what God is going to say to you, say to us, He's already spoken to you. Yeah, um, yeah. He's going to say to <laughs> us hope. through you no. this morning. Can I pray for you? Absolutely. You? Okay, That'd be okay. great. Thank you. Father, we want to thank you for Kay. We want to thank you for her willingness to be here and serve in this way. And Lord, we know that she's had her ear out to you asking mm. what it is that you want to speak to us in this place today. And so, Lord, we look forward to it. We open our hearts. We choose to be receptive to the word that you're going to speak. We pray, Lord, that she will be blessed as she blesses in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. It's nice to um, it's nice to be here. You know, the first time we walked in here, we actually really felt very at home. It was like a little homecoming for us. Um, we have been Churches of Christ pastors over many years, but we've also been out in other churches, and then to come back to the Church of Christ has been just, just lovely, really lovely. So thank you for that. Thank you for your part in that, because we did have people that were extremely friendly to us when we arrived. Um, great people at the door. Um, uh, we knew some people th that we'd been in church with a long time ago that were here, and they kind of said, come around for lunch, and all of that matters. Um, I forget who made the quote, but they said, people will come to church for a number of reasons, but they'll stay in a church because of friendship. And I know that's something in Alpha we've been talking about. So this morning, I just want to talk about bold type. Are you a bold type? Maybe. I'm going to move this around, sorry. You know, girls, we have to move the furniture around. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to pick up this. Cool. So are you a bold type? Yes. Oh, oh one bold type. <laughs> That's cool. Well, today we're going to speak about growing bold together. Okay, growing bold together. So if you don't consider yourself a bold type, it's okay, stay with me, stay with me, it will all work out at the end, all right? It will all work out at the end. So we're going to look at one of my favourite passages of scripture in Acts 4, and I love the whole book of Acts because it's, you know, it's the whole um, birth of the church and just the amazing stuff they got up to. And, um, and just it, it's kind of like a model. I know they were in a different culture than us, but we get models from, from there. And, and we see that they were bold in faith, in words, in prayer, 
and in action. Would you agree with me? In Acts, when you read through Acts, you think, whoa, they just really got out there and, and, and things happened. They made things happen around them. Um, so, Acts 4. I want to I focus today on action, but we're going to start with this favourite prayer of mine, Acts 4, 29 to 36. If I can read it, I need to have glasses for Bibles these days. Ah! <laughs> Who hates having glasses? <laughs> All the people over 50 said, Amen. No. <laughs> All right. Acts, Acts, Acts. Acts 4, 29 to 31. Let's see. If I get into the right page, it helps. <laughs> All right. And now, O oh Lord, oh, just to set the scene for you, church has been born, um, the Holy Spirit has come, we see they've been out preaching, Peter uh, healed the crippled beggar outside the gate beautiful. Um, we started with like 120 frightened people in a room um, and then they came together and 3,000 people were saved after the day of Pentecost. And early in the chapter, chapter four, we see many people believe their message and we're now up to about, it says, the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So that's kind of the size of the church that we have now. And, now, and then the disciples, two of the disciples, Peter and John, are arrested, put in jail for preaching, being bold. And what happens then is that um, they're released, they're flogged, released, but they come back to the church and we see this is sort of titled the believers pray for courage so they've hit some hard times they've hit some opposition and this is what they do they pray this prayer and now O lord hear their threats and give our servants give your servants great boldness in preaching your word stretch out your hand with healing power may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant jesus after this prayer the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Wow. <laughs> okay, so this is about first century, first century Palestine, about AD 80 or 90. And, um, and we see that the meeting place was shaken. Um, it goes on in that chapter to talk about the believers being in one heart and one mind and that... The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of Jesus. God's blessing was upon them all. And we see that they sold property, they shared, they shared stuff, no one was in need. It was this really radical, radical Christianity. And um, very interesting because they, these people had lived with Jesus and then they were the first converts to Jesus. Um, and at the end of chapter four, it's, it finishes with this guy called Barnabas, and he was the son of encouragement. That was his nickname, they said. Son of encouragement, and we're gonna come back to that later. So hold that thought. Okay, Acts 6-7 goes on to say the message of God's, um, God's message continued to spread, and the number, it says this phrase, it says the number of believers greatly increased. Now, how many of you think this is what's happening in the church today? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, I think that's, we've, we're seeing that happening in church today. Here? No? Maybe? A little bit, yeah, that's okay, that's good. Well, there's not a right or wrong answer here because some of us actually do see that happening. We, we do read of things where this is happening and some of us perhaps believe our culture and our media that says Christianity is weak 
and it's old-fashioned and it's gone out of date and, you know, it has no power to change anything. That's what our media and our culture would have us believe. But I actually think that there's a different picture for us. There's a different picture. There was a different picture back in the day. Um, if you want to go to that next slide, we look at the church as a percentage of the world's population. When I read this, I was astounded. All right, if you have a look there, you can see that in AD 40, there was about 1,000. We read, you know, after that, AD 100, um, 7,500. And then it climbs to 350 years. Now, 350 years, only three, you know, 300, just over 300 years since Jesus was on the earth. Look at the number. I don't know whether you can see that. 33 million. 33 million in 300 years. 56.5% of the population. These figures are from a, an atheist, like it's an atheist historian put this together. It's not some Christian who is being evangelistic, evangelastic, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, that stunned me. I thought, wow, 33, 33 million in 300 years. Wow. And, and I thought, well, what's going on today? Um, Hillshire, this, this area here, we've got just under 200,000 people in this shire, roughly. Just under. If we were at that statistic, we'd have about 100,000 people Christians in this area. Easily. easily? There you go. This is someone who sees, yes, that's easily. All right. But, um, uh, and in Alpha, I was surprised to hear Nikki Gumbel say that Christians worldwide are 2.3 billion. There's 2.3 billion Christians worldwide. Out of a population of 7.4 billion in the world, that means we're running at about 30% of the entire population. So are Christians, are we weak? Are we, like, not able to affect wor the world? What happens in our world? Do, like, sometimes that's how I think. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get there and I think, poor me, I feel like we're just getting pushed down and pushed down and more laws are coming out to keep us in our place and things are happening that are really negative. We've heard about persecution in India this week. We've heard about um, terrible things happening to our brothers and sisters across the world. But I want to tell you that when those things happen, the church doesn't lie down. Jesus comes in a powerful way and the church rises up. And so I want to be part of that. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that. I want to be part of a bold church. I want to be not just someone who prays boldly and has great faith to believe for things, but I want to actually be doing things that are bold as well. Yeah. So, so how did this happen? I thought, okay, God, it happened back there. So, so what were the Christians like back there? We, we read about them in Acts, but I, I also came across this good and beautiful God Good and Beautiful Community book by James Ryan Smith. And, um, and he talks about, this is a historian again from the first century, and um, a Roman historian. And he writes this about Christians. Not a Christian himself, but this is what he writes. The difference between Christians and the rest of mankind is not a matter of nationality or language or customs. Christians, Christians do not live in separate cities of their own, speak any special dialect, nor practice any eccentric way of life. 
They pass their lives in whatever township, Greek or foreign, each man's lot has determined and conform to ordinary local usage in their clothing, diet and other habits. Nevertheless, the organisation of their community does exhibit some features that are remarkable and even surprising. For instance, though they are residents at home in their own countries, their behaviour is more like transients. Though destiny has placed them here in the flesh, they do not live after the flesh. Their days are passed on earth, but their citizenship is above in heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, but in their own private lives, they transcend the laws. They show love to all men, and all men persecute them. They are misunderstood and condemned, yet by suffering death, they are quickened to life. They are poor, yet making many rich, lacking all things, yet having all things in abundance. They repay curses with blessings and abuse with courtesy. For the good they do, they suffer stripes as evildoers. How's your week been? Have you suffered any, um, suffered any stripes as an evildoer lately? <laughs> you know, I don't doubt that we do. We, we come across um, persecution. It might be a bit more subtle than that. As I said, it can be through media, it can be through our friends or even the places we work of, you know, don't talk about that, that don't bring your Jesus into here. Or as one of our family members said to us, keep your stinking religion to yourself. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> you know, we may not always be popular, but we are called to be countercultural. We're called to that lifestyle. How it looks for us today may look slightly different. But we are called to boldness. And, and if you've just gone to sleep as a Christian, if you've just gone to that point where, oh, yeah, I just do my everyday, get up, go to work, go home, watch TV, um, you know, oh, come to church on Sundays, that's okay. It's kind of optional, you know, if I feel like I'll get there this week. Um, but, you know, uh, maybe I'll go to Connect Group once in a while. Um, you know, we kind of, some of us, and oh, look, I've been guilty of this, otherwise I'm pointing back at myself. We get to that point sometimes where we just kind of drift and nothing really seems to be about any purpose or plan. We say we believe God's got a purpose or plan for us, but it feels like we're kind of every day that's not really happening in our lives. So let's just have a look at that. How, how can we change that? Like, like, what is it that God's put in you and me that makes us different? How can we live a life that, that would look like what God wants us to look today on. We're just going to go to a short clip because I want you to, to realise that God hides his best in the most unlikely people. Let's go to Tim's place. Special place to be at. 
because it won an alternative by me. You guys are doing a great job back here. I love you guys. You guys are the best cooks ever. Since I was a kid, I wanted to own a restaurant and then asked my dad to help me out. And I'm very glad I did. Thank you, Dad. I love you so much. Love you too, Dad. When he was about 14 years old, he told us that someday he was going to own a restaurant. After we all uh, gulped and gasped, we began to take him seriously, and the result is history in the making. They supported me so I can live up my dreams. I'm amazingly proud of my brother. Just what he's accomplished in his lifetime. I mean, people can only dream, you know? I love you, Mom. As far as we know, we have not yet found another person with Down syndrome in this country that owns their own restaurant. We hope that other people will, though. My favorite part of all is the people coming through that front door. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? Sometimes customers get sad. I give them a hug and then they feel a lot better. Oh, thank you, Tim. The hugs are way more important than the food. The food is food, so. <laughs> <laughs> How about a double hug? Yep, yeah, double hug. Love you guys. I am a lean, mean, honey machine. <laughs> oh yeah. So let me get this straight. So you, yeah. you're a restaurateur. Yes. And a special, special living athlete. And you yes. won a gold medal. I won more medals than Michael Phelps. Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I did not let my disability crush the dreams. With people with disabilities, they can do anything. They set their minds to. They're special. We are a gift to the world. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Did you pick up what he said? He said, we are a gift to the world. And he's not letting his disability crush his dreams. What are you letting crush your dreams right now? What, you know, I look at that and I go, you are God's gift to this world. I am God's gift to this world. Do we realize that? Do we live like that? You are God's gift to your neighborhood. You are God's gift to your everyday, your workplace, your school, your home. You are God's gift to your community. You are God's gift to your church. You are God's gift to your friends. You are God's gift to your family. You are God's gift. So what are we doing about that? Do we live like that? Do we live like that every day? You know, I think sometimes we, we kind of get it, we kind of make it hard on ourselves. Instead of enjoying the fact, like he did, like Tim did, enjoying the fact that he was God's gift, just being sure of that, not sort of second-guessing himself and being willing to hug people and reach out to people and, and just be who he is. We kind of make it complicated. We kind of don't do that, do we? Um, you know, I think God, God sits in heaven and he's just waiting for us to kind of just enjoy, enjoy being a Christian. Have some fun, have some fun with it. And that's where I, I just want you to, again, we're gonna go to another clip. I think I've got time. Yep, yes I have. <laughs> um, it's, this is uh, when Graham Cook first met a witch doctor. And I just want you to, um, See what he did and just see how this might relate to our lives. Thanks. Oh. Test yes, we're going. like something out of a movie. 
and he comes out. I don't understand the language, but I know a curse when I hear one. Oh. So, so. <clears throat> we actually missed some of that. Is there any opportunity to go back a little? Him, and I'm just, I've no? never seen any. If not, the scene is that, that Graham First Cook. I ever got into spiritual warfare. Oh, here we go. That's better. Was Thanks. Was on the mission field. And I was out there with um, uh, four Baptist boys and a Methodist. <laughs> and me, who got saved out of a crime family. So we're all out on the mission field together. And we're, we're like, we, get, we parachute into this uh, uh, valley. And our, basically our plan is to walk out 400 miles and preach the gospel. Yeah? Brilliant fun. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So we get, we get to this place, and uh, we get to this place, and this witch doctor comes out, and he's got skulls and body parts hanging off him, and he looks like nothing on earth. He looks grotesque, like something out of a movie, and he comes out, and I don't understand the language, but I know a curse when I hear one. So, so... <clears throat> Everyone stops except me. I'm walking towards him, and I'm just, I've never seen anything like this. And um, I'm just learning about spiritual warfare. So it's like, well, I don't even know what to do right now. You know? So, <laughs> but I'm not backing down. So I'm figuring, Lord, you got me into this. You're going to have to get me out of this. Otherwise, you and I will be shaking hands real quick. <laughs> So he's moving towards me. He's shouting and so on. And the whole village is cowering behind him. And I look around, and my companions are heading in the other direction. <laughs> so it's like me and him. And I'm just thinking, well, I'm not backing down. The Lord, you're going to have to do something. And heaven is silent. I'm saying, Lord, give me something. And the only thing that pops into my head is when I was a kid, I used to go to a place in a northern town in England called Liverpool, to a place called The Cavern, where um, The Who, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, The Kinks, and all those guys, you know, they were all young guys playing homemade instruments, and I would just go, and it was great fun. And I used to buy Mick Jagger a pint of beer, because that's what we do in England. <clears throat> And so all I can remember at that moment is Mick Jagger singing, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> it's the only thing that pops into my head. So I'm thinking, I haven't got anything else. So I start doing the whole Mick Jagger thing. <clears throat> it's, you know, when I'm driving in my car and a voice comes on the radio telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to drive my imagination, I can't get no. And that's all I'm doing. Satisfaction. That's, that's, and he takes one look at me, he screams out loud, and he heads for the hills and was never seen again. I have no idea what is going on or anything. And I stop and I say to the Lord, what just happened? And, 
All I can hear is the sound of him laughing. <laughs> and laughing, and laughing, and laughing, and laughing. Like belly laughing. Like, he's, you just know he's drying his eyes with a handkerchief. I'm saying, what just happened? He said, that was the funniest thing ever. I said, why didn't you say anything? He said, son, I wanted to teach you something. What? And, he, and he's quiet. He said, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Figure it out. So I'm standing there thinking, you want to... Oh, I get it. I could have the spirit of stupid on me and still win. <laughs> I could be as dumb... I could be as dumb as anything and I'm still strong enough to overcome something demonic. I get it. Your majesty covers everything. I get it. I get it. I have no idea why I told that story. <laughs> Except it was fun. So boldness may be surprising or unconventional, <laughs> and it's often not religious. Actually, it's usually not religious at all. <laughs> Do you ever picture God laughing? Yeah. Do you ever picture him enjoying your efforts to live for him? Yeah. You know, like, it's a bit like a dad watching a small child and just laughing at the funny things they do. You know, that's all we have to do. Sometimes God messes with our religious mindsets and, and changes the way we see things. You know, when um, we were younger, we lived on five acres and we did the whole, um, you know, we had our own goats and we baked our own bread and we kind of raised meat chickens. And so the thing with that is when you go and buy meat chickens, you buy a dozen meat chickens, that's what you order, but they always give you 14 because pe chickens die, all right? That's, that's the reality. Country person here, that's the reality of life things do die. So, <laughs> you get your 14 meat chickens, brought them home, and anyway, one of them, you know, we went out and the kids were helping us feed them, and our, our boys were about mm, five and six, four and five maybe at the time, and they'd help us feed them and, you know, check on them every day, and then we went out one day and there's this little chicken in the pen with its legs up like this, lying on its back, and we're thinking, oh, well, you know, that's one of the extra. Um, <laughs> we didn't think anything of it. But our kids, because they'd seen us praying for them whenever they got sick, they said, Mummy, Mummy, we're going to pray for our chicken to get better. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, how to explain to these kids their chickens, they're meant to, you know. Anyway, I thought, OK, OK, let's pray for him. And so they picked this chicken up and they put their little hands on him and they said, Dear Jesus, please make our chicken better. And they put him down. We said, look, let's just keep him separate out here. Well, look, I went out about half an hour later and this thing was up, running around, cheaping. Because I was getting ready to tell them, well, you know, um, not, Jesus doesn't heal every time. And, you know, I was coming up with all the reasons why not. But my kid's faith just messed with me. Just messed with my head. Because it was simple faith. It was just like, come on, let's just do this. What have we got to lose? Like, they had no idea that that, that wasn't going to be the outcome. You know, that they believed. Um, you know, in Tasmania at our last church, I had the privilege of being part of this, um, it was a connect group with a bunch of 18 to 25-year-old 18 to 25 year old girls, and there was kind of around 15 to 20 of them. 
And God really said to me, Kay, pour into these girls some leadership. And, and so we, we kind of, we were really into, we, I, made, I made it hard on them. I made them study the word really hard and get together every week and be responsible. And, and um, one of the girls, they said, I have this friend that I'm praying for. And so we, we had journals and we wrote in there, we're praying for this girl. And, and in the course of time, she actually became a Christian. God moved in some amazing ways to bring this girl to the Lord. And she was quite influential in Tasmania because she was a photographer, wedding photographer. She was really well known in the community. And um, she ended up coming to our connect group and we were looking through our journals and then we said, oh, look, a year ago we prayed for you, Jess, and now here you are. And she was like, that's awesome. But this girl, look, out their personality to start with. Um, but her, she was living with her boyfriend at the time and, you know, they'd built a house together and all this stuff. And so we, we did the whole discipleship journey with them. But you know what she taught me was just that the whole praying for chickens principle. She just, everywhere she went, God was with her. And everywhere she went, she decided that God had put her in that situation and that she was going to talk to people about him in a way that was really awesome because she wasn't religious, this girl just come from, you know, nightclubbing and all that background. And, um, and her, her boyfriend got saved and, and um, then they started, they would go Friday nights down to the nightclub strip in town and just talk to people. They'd pray and say, God, who do you want us to talk to? Oh, that person over there, let's go over and talk to them. And then they'd ask, God, give us a word of knowledge. And they'd say to that person, oh, look, I, I, I think you've had a really bad experience with your mum. You've had a big fight or something. God would tell them these just simple words. And they would launch out and say it, and people would say, how did you know that? And they'd say, well, Jesus has got us here, and can we pray for you? People, they'd pray. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. I was like, oh. <laughs> and the, the, the group just grew. And look, those young people have just gone on. Um, that particular couple are now in Mozambique. And about three months ago, no, longer than that, probably six or eight months ago, they actually texted me and said, Kay, we prayed for a three-year-old boy today and he was raised from the dead. And he was the witch doctor's grandson. And so now we have the whole village coming to know. They want to know all about Jesus. They're asking us, well, tell us about this Jesus that you serve. And I'm just like, these were just ordinary young people, ordinary Aussies. And they've sold the house, they're not going to be missionaries forever, like they come over to Australia, do six months worth of wedding photography and graphic design and those, and then they go back for six months to Mozambique or Nepal, and God's just using them in amazing ways. But not just them, you know, out of that group, there are girls there that are key in the church that we were part of. They, you know, there are girls that are in the, in the, the schools as chaplains. There are people who are just, they're just living every day as if Jesus is with them and as if God has something for them that day. You know, and I reckon all of us can do that. I reckon all of us can do that. Um, you know, for us, I, I really believe we're called to do bold actions. But, you know, for me, that's not going down to the nightclub strip and talking to people because I feel like a fish out of water there. I have no idea how to talk to people at that particular. But that's not, that's not my circle of influence. I have a different circle of influence than that. So, but I want you to know this is scriptural. I don't want you to just think this is Kay's good idea. 
So Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we need to be transformed. And then Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Then we're meant to go out and do good. It's kind of that simple. Let God transform you, go out, do good. Let God transform you, go out, do good. That's kind of pretty easy, hey? And it says, 2 Timothy 1.5 says, we have a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, self-discipline. We don't have a spirit of fear or timidity over us. And again, hear me when I say this. I know, I remember Glyn talking about we were sent out door to door and we had to talk to people and, you know, like stuff that really probably wasn't Glyn's strong point, maybe. <laughs> wasn't what God had perhaps designed him to do. So I'm not saying that. But what has God designed you to do? What are the good works? There's my, um, would you mind turning that off? It's my alarm down there. <laughs> so, you know, every Sunday, you know what I love about Restore is that this is a gathering. And we're meant to come here and gather together. And we're meant to motivate and encourage one another to then go out again into our worlds and be the church. That's where we are, the church. We're not the church when we gather. I mean, we are because each of us are here. But this is not church. We're the church out there. And we are the ones who are, have got that call upon our lives to just do the things that we're called to do. And, you know, we, we're about to have communion. And what I'd like us to do this morning, a little bit different, perhaps, than what we normally do, is I want you to, to remember, this is a time we gather. The whole point of communion is a communing with God. But it's also a communing with one another. That's why we do it when we get together. We remember Jesus, we remember his death, his resurrection, all that's done for us. The transformation it's bringing to our lives every day. But what I'm going to ask you to do today, too, is I'm going to ask you to actually have communion together with someone else. At least one person, if not a couple. And I want you to actually just share really briefly, one word, one sentence max, what communion actually means to you with the person that you're sharing communion with. And then I want you also have communion together. But if God gives you a word of like encouragement, now this again, simple. It might be like, really simple. Keep it simple. Don't try and be, you know, some great prophet and go, thus saith the Lord, la 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 la, going to King James English. No, just simple. Some encouragement. Bring an encouragement. Bring a, bring a word, a prophetic word, maybe. Whatever that is your giftings are, however you're wired, just bring that to that small group, whether it's a pair or a group. If you're new here, please don't feel pressured by this. You're welcome to join us in communion, you're welcome to join in these groups, or you're welcome to just sit, whatever you feel comfortable with at this moment. And let me read this to you, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's what we're going to do now. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
Thank you. That's all. I just want to leave you with that. Let's just be the church. Let's just love people. Even if we do silly things, hey, God's not going to judge you or hit you on the head. He's going to laugh with you and he's going to be your dad, a good dad. Who wants, he just wants that. That's all it is. Simple. So take this moment. I'm going to pray for us. And then take this moment. We're, we're, just, we're not going to have a finishing song. We're just going to have some music playing. Take as long as you need. When you're finished, go out to coffee. Um, I'm not going to get up here again and officially finish. So um, let me pray for you. Lord, this morning, I believe by faith that you have been moving amongst us. It says in your word that we're two or three are gathered in your name, that you are here with us, Jesus. And so we believe that your Holy Spirit has been touching hearts. And, and Lord, I just pray as you've been speaking to each one of my brothers and sisters here that, that you would encourage them, that they would see the week ahead looking a whole lot different despite any pain or, or things that they're going through, there are still ways that they can just take simple steps to love on others around them. So God, I pray, let it start now. Let it start here. As we gather around your communion table, let us truly commune with you, but commune with one another. Father, move amongst us. Bring healing. Bring hope. Father, just... Touch our lives, we pray. Be with us in these next few moments. Present and active. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.